Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of boxing, Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. It's good to see you settling in in Tennessee in your new abodes. Um, great. I mean, you got the pictures up, and we're going to talk Canelo, so you got Canelo up. You you are the man. You are. You have become uh, very sophisticated. Well, you're always sophisticated. I'm sorry, <laughs> but but very I'm trying. Very TV friendly, and um, I'm watching watching you grow right in front of my eyes, and you got all the you got all the you got everything there. I mean, I, I feel like we're in a, all the accoutrements. Yeah, all the cook. Yeah, those things, and <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I would dare to say that you look great, and that uh, you. have you flown in your person? It looks like you have. You've flown your personal barber, would you? Because you look yeah. groomed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. Got him over here. Cut up all the kids. Ah. Taking care of business. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> That's really nice. Uh, how's your barber like Tennessee? Does he like Tennessee? Charge me double. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> right. All right. Oh, it's great to see you. It's great to see that smile. And I'm very happy that your wife and kids are really, really happy with Tennessee. And you're, it's growing on you. Is that fair to say? It's, it's a work in pro yeah. progress? Yeah. yeah, I'm getting settled in. It was a bit overwhelming initially getting comfortable with the fact that I was here. But uh, we're making our way. Good. Settling in. Uh, beautiful. Good. Well, it's a good, good move for the kids, and uh, my wife likes it here, so we're, we're getting there. I'll tell you one thing. Your moving was a lot harder than the fight was for Canelo. We'll start with that. Oh, my God, Canelo. Highlight of the fight for Canelo for me was uh, Canelo's wardrobe, and in particular his sneaker choice during uh, fight week. He had a lot of uh, very rare uh, exclusive Air Jordans, some Christian Dior and Air Jordans. To me, that was the highlight because the fight was, as you said on Twitter, and having been in camp with you, I could tell you right now, if a sparring partner showed up and was getting beat up the way um, uh, the way uh, your dream was against Canelo, you'd throw him out of the gym. This guy's not qualified to be in the ring with him. I'd have to. We, we, what would we get out of it? I mean, you wouldn't get prepared. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get what you're paying for. You, you, you'd, you'd be doing wrong by your fighter if you didn't. Yeah. It was just a one-sided beatdown. I mean, there's not much to say here, but what'd you see? I mean, were you more impressed with Canelo's performance or more surprised by the lack of ability from your dream? No, listen, we, we talked the truth here. We really, I mean, I hate to be saying that like, like you have to, I don't know, like you have to publicize that we tell the truth, but you know what? A lot of people don't. I don't know. A lot of people don't. A lot of people just do the... Uh, the shill thing and whatever else they're doing, but maybe they think they're telling the truth. Maybe I should back up a little bit and I should give it better thought. Maybe they think they're telling the truth, but they're not. At the end of the day, the bottom line is you are, you are. And, you know, what your intentions are is important. It's attached to it. Don't get me wrong. Um, that is. But at the end of the day, God almighty, I mean, listen, that whole card stunk. I mean, you know, it was it was nothing but one-sided fights. And you've been getting a lot of that on Showtime, on, on the different places, wherever you look. But we're talking about right now on The Zone, and it wasn't good. And I'm thinking now, see, I'm going to put my concentration not on what should be the obvious. You know, everyone's going to just kind of poo-poo and pass it over and say it was just another bad fight and all that stuff. And maybe some people be better than that. They'll say, no, no, it, it really was, it was a, 
non-competitive and really we we shouldn't that's not what paying subscription fees for you know in any network but i'm going to concentrate on the number one mandatories really that that stuff now should start being put out there you know with with a with a warning with a disclosure where sort of a buyer beware disclosure with these mandatory number ones we've had enough of it that's to me that's where i open up the show with today you know because it's too easy to open up about you know how yildrim uh how do you pronounce his name properly the uh, the i think it's yildrim all right yildrim yildrim well it wasn't a dream but yildrim he I'm going to talk about the mandatory. How has he become a mandatory? Really? I mean, this is this is getting to be a habit where you have these mandatories, these number one mandatories out there that are, are far from it. I mean, they, you, you wonder if they should even be rated in the top 10, much less... Or top five, or whatever you want to, if you want to get down to the particulars, much less being a mandatory, called a mandatory. Hey, listen, it just, it once again, it's a joke. Hey guys, just want to give a quick pause today to give a shout out to our sponsor, PowerDot. Um, full disclosure, I'm an investor in the company, I love this product. Uh, Powered Up promotes circulation to help muscles recover quickly between fights and workouts. It relieves pain by stimulating nerves, rehab from injury by increasing circulation and activating the muscle fibers that have, may have atrophied during the injury. Uh, athletes love Power Dot. It's used by some of the world's top athletes, including UFC fighters, boxers, NFL players. I've personally sent this device to Dustin Poirier and Regis Progre. They love it. Uh, also, this week, if you buy a power dot and send your receipt to the fight at hithardmedia.com, you'll have a one in four chance of getting it for free. We'll be reimbursing the cost of one out of every four devices purchased using the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. Just send your receipt to the fight at hithardmedia.com. Again, that's the fight at hithardmedia.com hardmedia.com again power dots given 20 percent off to all listeners with the code atlas and you'll have a one in four chance of winning it for free go to powerdot.com slash atlas to redeem guys also want to thank our today's sponsor amp human very happy to have amp human involved with us again another company i've worked closely with amp human is a human performance company dedicated to helping people unlock their potential their latest innovation, D-plus lotion, is the first of its kind gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through their skin. This is in addition to their world-renowned PR lotion. Um, if you're an endurance athlete, you should know what PR lotion is. If you don't, check out their website at Amp Human. With limited sunlight during the winter and more times indoor, there's never been a more important time to supplement with their vitamin D gel. Just two pumps applied to the inner forearms contains 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. It's backed by two clinical trials. It's proven to be highly effective. Through your skin is really the best and easiest way to get vitamin D. To check it out and get a special offer, be sure to visit amphuman.com slash atlas. Again, A-T-L-A-S. Use the promo code ATLAS to get 15% off your vitamin D plus lotion today. Again, amphuman.com slash atlas. Use promo code ATLAS to get 15% off your D plus lotion today. Watching that 
fight was like watching the minor leagues against the pros. Or it was watching high school football teams against NFL teams. Am I, am I being too am I being too harsh here, Ken? Am I? Oh, I it mean, was it was embarrassing. Uh, I mean, and 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 then on top of it, I'm going to go back to where I chose to to start with today. Not just the obvious that this guy didn't belong in the ring, but how does he get the tag? Number one mandatory. How do you do that? You you take your credibility away from the from the sport if you're in charge of being the people that make those decisions. There's so many things, and I've been saying this forever, involving the administration and running of this sport that is so bad, and they're either so corrupt or incompetently run. There's there's only one good thing about the sport, and it's, it's about what the two fighters do when they're at a competent level and they're evenly matched. What they do in that ring is the only thing that really is good about the sport anymore because that's noble, what they do. They challenge each other on the barest, most basic levels to see who is better, who wants to be better, who will find a way and even go to a place that they may not have previously known even existed. They remind us at their finest moments of what we are capable of. That's what that's that's still the essence of what this sport is about. And what we're willing to do to sacrifice to be the best and to avoid being defeated, to not be conquered. To not be conquered. Ken this sport goes back so many years. And what I'm talking about, the nature of it, it traces all the way back thousands of years when our ancestors first put their footprints on this earth. And while doing that, well, they met, they met all the challenges that came, all the threats to their existence. So fast forward to now, and in its best in its barest form, it's the same. It comes down to, do you want to exist? Or better put, how do you want to exist? As the conqueror or the conquered? And what will you do when the moment comes that brings with it that question? That is why we watch boxing. That's still why we watch boxing. But these people, again, that are paid to administrate this sport... They're getting in the way of that. They're getting in the way of that. And you have to, it's hurting the sport. UFC has grown in leaps and bounds. They've marketed the sport. It's grown, people get mad. Why? For the truth? For the truth? When I stand there like a lawyer in a courtroom with exhibit A and exhibit B right in front of you? Right in front of you? Come on! Are you kidding me? I mean, the ratings have gone up in UFC. The sport has grown incredibly. It's not a it's not a it's not the secret sauce that your grandmother had. You know, it's not a secret formula of Coca-Cola. I mean, <laughs> that's hidden in a vault. You put competitive fights on. Bang! You put competitive fights on. 
and you don't list somebody as a mandatory number one and yell it from the treetops, number one, and you, you fool people. Because when they hear number one mandatory, they say, oh, we're going to watch a competitive fight. I mean, that's what you think. That's why it's called mandatory number one, because it's a guy you can't avoid. He's that good. You can't avoid. That's the implication. That's the implication. But it's not the truth. It's not the truth. The truth is the sport's corrupt. And that keeps getting in the way, and the incompetence of it, that gets in the way of giving a consistent product that the people deserve. Competitive fights. People being challenged. There was no challenge to Canelo the other night. There's no challenge at all. And as you said, Ken, at the top, from you know my tweets, if if Yildirim, the way he performed and behaved was a sparring partner in camp, you'd have to send him home if you're doing the job for your fighter. If you're looking out for your fighter, you'd have to send him home because he ain't preparing him. He's not giving him what he needs to get ready for a fight. You know, as Mickey Duff... I love Mickey Duff. He was one of the great boxing people of all time, as he used to say to me, Yildirim was harder to miss than to hit. Uh, and he gets insulted if you miss him. I mean, and, and you know what? I don't know, Ken. I don't know if the moment got him, because I saw tape on him with lesser guys, of course, but with a former champion, Darrell, or champion in Darrell, I saw him put forward a hundred times better effort. At least he tried. He didn't try. Did the moment get him? Did the reality that he's in there with, with Canelo? That happens sometimes, you know. Don't think it don't happen. Where you get to, a guy gets to a reputation where, where people that aren't equipped for the moment get frightened. They get defeated before the moment. Maybe that happened to him. Maybe it did. People back in the heyday when, when uh, Duran was in his heyday, people were, you know, when they got in there with Duran, they were terrified. Uh, or with Tyson. Uh, I remember in the amateurs, people pulling out of tournaments. People didn't do that. They didn't pull out of tournaments in the middle of a tournament. But if they knew Tyson was in there, all of a sudden they pulled out. So, and listen, those are guys that aren't going to be champs. They're not going to, because they're not, they don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the, the, the abilities that you need, the disciplines that you need to be the best you can be in, in anything, especially in this sport. Obviously, they're missing that. But... I'm just saying, maybe that was Yildirim. Maybe, maybe he just melted under the moment of the reality of being in there with Canelo. You know, or maybe the wait was too long. They made you wait a long time, Ken. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that could deteriorate a guy. I remember Customato used to say, Teddy, the hardest part is the waiting. The waiting. The waiting in the locker room. Yeah. The waiting because the, because the ninjas of your mind I, I actually put it in those words. But the ninjas, because I took what he said, I understood it, I felt it, I went through it. The ninjas of your mind, of your imagination, can come over that wall and they can attack you. Because there's no controlling the imagination. The reality is you're facing a guy with two arms, two hands, he can hit you with this, this, that, and you've been through it before. That's the reality. But the imagination makes it worse than that. So if you don't control it, anything, you people out there, anything, anything, Anything you do, you have to control your imagination. 
Imagination is always worse than reality. Always worse than reality. So maybe that's what happened. Because like I said, Kush used to say, the hardest part is to waiting. While, while a guy's waiting, his imagination can attack him if he's not prepared to understand what he's got to do to thought, to, to, fall, to fight off that threat and, and to control his emotions. And he hasn't enough experience or you know, discipline in those areas to do that. He said the imagination could destroy you before you ever get in the ring. Can just disintegrate you. And you know, worse than a left hook. Even a left hook to the liver. Worse than that. And that's pretty bad. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe Yildirim, you know, the imagination, the waiting. And as I said, Cus would say that's the hardest part is the waiting. Once you get in the ring, it's 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 something you've done before. But the waiting, it's it's so much more. Because again, there's no limits on what it can be. Your imagination can take it to anywhere. So who knows? By making this guy wait, I know it wasn't fun for us to wait that long, but we didn't have to worry about getting in the ring to, to face Canelo. <laughs> you know, so maybe that was part of it. I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, he didn't... I mean, this is a guy who... Obviously, you can't win a fight no matter what level you are if you're not throwing punches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think you need Teddy Atlas to tell you that. Guys, you can't win a fight if you don't throw punches. You can't. I mean, you know. But apparently, you can win some rounds. Broner won a first round last week on two judges' cuts, zero, zero punches. Well, it's a good point. And maybe Willie Pep did. Maybe the great Willie Pep did two years ago. That's, a, <laughs> that's part of the legend. Maybe he did. Uh, just by being good defensively. But yeah, that's a great point. You brought that up. Yes. But you can't win a fight. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, if you got zero punches one round, zero punches the next round, zero punches the next round, zero punches the next round, it adds up to zero. So, I don't know. Uh, so, and you allow the guy to do whatever you want. So here's what I saw. I saw on a night, again, the truth, some people won't like it. I like, uh, listen, who doesn't like Canelo, okay? Come on. So I don't have to go down that road, all right? Canelo's terrific. He's one of your top fighters today. But if we, if we were in a different moment where that fight was more what we thought or hoped it would be, competitive, where the other guy was actually fighting, then you might be able to say, you might actually be able to point a little bit of, of sort of criticism towards Canelo's effort. People, I know people already, their hair's up on their neck, they're, they're, their fangs are out, they're ready to pounce on me. How can you even go down this road on that effort the other night and talk about anything negative with Canelo? No, I'm just saying, you couldn't, but you could. You could if the fight had been a little, if the other guy did his part. I know if I was a broadcaster that night, I could have said, Canelo's only throwing one punch at a time. And now listen, you can't say it. It gets erased. You know why? Because every punch he threw freaking landed. <laughs> 
So it didn't matter if he was throwing one punch at a time, Ken. It didn't matter. But it's supposed to matter. It's supposed to be a a detriment to a fighter a little bit if he's only throwing one punch at a time. Sometimes. Sometimes. If it's a competitive fight because he can fall behind. Because, you know, it can hurt your performance. But in this case, it didn't matter. Because that was enough. That was more than enough. So, you know, but the truth is he was throwing one punch at a time. And the truth is they all landed. And the truth is I said in my tweets and I said on this air, on this podcast, when we handicapped this fight a week ago, that um, basically that he couldn't miss with the uppercut because this guy gets hit with uppercuts all the time. Obviously he has... Nothing's changed. Nobody's taught him not to get hit with uppercuts since last we spoke and last we saw him. And he's right in front of you. He's slow. He's predictable. He's one-dimensional. He's right in front of you. And you can find his body whenever you want, which, which you could. And then, of course, he found the right hand. He dropped him with a right hand. I'll, I'll break that down. Maybe that's the most interesting. I'll break that down. I know it was a right hand. It was a jab and a right hand. But you know what he got blinded by? It was funny. The commentator said he got blinded by the jab. Usually that's the case. If you throw the jab in the right hand right behind it, boom, boom. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. Wilder did it in knocking Ortiz out beautifully. And he did it in knocking out Brazil beautifully. Yeah, boom, boom. The right hand's right behind it. But that wasn't the case. It was boom, boom. So it wasn't blinded. And you know what a blinded Yildirim? His own hands. His own gloves. Because he was so distorted, just out of position, out of control, that when he got hit with the jab, the jab, not the right hand, the jab. When he got hit with the jab, his, his gloves were in a way where they were blocking his vision. So he never saw the right hand. So he blinded himself. <laughs> the other guy's jab didn't blind him. He blinded himself with the bad placement the out-of-control placement, placement, the out-of-control, um, the undisciplined placement of his gloves. Instead of being in position, they were like this, and he never saw the right hand. Okay, so that, just figured I'd tell you that if, <laughs> if you were interested. And at the end of the day, we come back to how's this guy a mandatory? You know, how how, how is this guy... A mandatory. And the other thing I'd like to make note of is Eddie Hearn with his white outfit. Listen, I didn't come here to make fun of Eddie Hearn. And, you know, I, I got some... I think I have a white outfit. I think years ago on ESPN, I wore a white jacket. Yeah, I did. Uh, somebody thought that I was a waiter. Um, but, you know, they, <laughs> I said, do, do you see waiters wearing this on their head? Do you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just. I was just gonna ask for a sandwich. <laughs> Do you? You see this? Do you see this? So anyway, Eddie Hearn was in his white outfit, Kenny, and um, and you know, to me, he looked like an ice cream man, right? And and I the believe only thing- that was a. Uh, I believe that was a Cuban jacket celebrating the fact that he was in Miami with uh, all the Cuban Americans and Mexicans. Okay, I'm sure they appreciated it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure everybody noticed that and took note of that and appreciated that. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought it had, I connected it to ice cream. 
All right, I'm, I'm not going to yeah. be a liar over here. And and the thing I thought about that I thought was a little bit, you know, I, I mean, I, I to me what I thought was ironic about it was that after that those performances in the ring that people probably would have much rather if he had been an ice cream man <laughs> serving ice cream <laughs> instead of those fights. That's that, that was the ironic part about it. I thought, you know, it's funny because people really would have enjoyed much more if he was serving like soft dip cones, you know, rather than the, the stuff that he served uh, that night, um, which was anything. It, it wasn't nearly as likable as ice cream would have been not nearly not or as enjoyable it, it wasn't it was i mean if anything if we're going to stay on the food uh metaphors uh he should have he should have handed, handed out alka-seltz on the way out you know <laughs> because and, and listen this we're getting a lot of these you don't get a lot of these in the ufc i'm, I'm saying nope. it out of frustration because my sport is boxing my whole life and I love both sports, and I've grown to appreciate UFC. I tell the truth. I, I've grown to appreciate what they are, what they do. But, man, and, and I understand the difference. You got one guy in charge in Dana White, you know, dictator, if you will, right? And, and he's able to say, hey, it's my way or the highway. You fight competitive fights or you get on the highway. And, and he's in control of the product. Okay. Well, who says these promoters can't do it? But they don't. They don't. Because they, they hook up with their networks and they get sweetheart deals. And what do they do? They set up a farm system to protect their undefeated fighters, keep them undefeated, right? Uh, at the expense of the sport. Yeah. At the expense of the sport and the fans. That, you know, they keep their guys undefeated until they have to fight somebody. Until they have to fight a fight that, you know, there's no choice. But otherwise... That's what you do, you know. That's what they do. So, I, I mean, I want to look at my notes, make sure I covered everything. I mean, in a thing that's, you know, hard to cover. Um, it's kind of hard to make, uh, you know, chicken salad out of chicken. <clears throat> yeah, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know what? But I'm, I'm, I'm tr trying to just give everything without, you know, giving everyone the ingredients. But here's the most important part of today for Canelo. I I like Canelo. Again, I said it earlier. I don't have to, you know, protect that myself in that or apologize for saying things that are true. At the end of the day, though, I he's terrific. And he didn't have to be extra ambitious or creative the other night. So he could throw one punch at a time. But here's the thing. Those people with their pom-poms on, all for that fight, should be embarrassed to start screaming that Canelo's the greatest Mexican of all time or, or beginning that. Maybe there was nothing else to talk. So maybe it's brilliant because there's nothing else to talk about. You just put on a sham of a show, right, Ken? You put a <laughs> sham of a show on. Maybe they're brilliant. They're brilliant because there's nothing else to talk about. Now you got to you, you got to be slick here. You got to be slick here. You got to be kind of like a magician, like a David Copperfield. And you got to switch things up where, where the audience doesn't see what you're doing with the sleight of hand. 
that, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta be smart and and fast, so they don't see that it's not in his hands. It's in his. It's over here. It's over there. So they change it up, and they start talking about Canelo, the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. Well, first of all, how can you do that off of that performance? You can't do it off that performance. Please, please, not off that performance. Don't. I mean, really, separate yourself from that. But, okay, this is where they're going to go. And I get it. I get it. But here's what I want the people, and I hope we have a lot of people watching, whether you like it or not. I hope we have a million people watching. Because I usually don't say it this way, but I'm going to. I want to educate some of these people. Yeah, that doesn't mean Teddy Atlas is right or no. But I'm just going to educate you with... When you educate somebody, it doesn't mean that you're being pompous or that, that you're, you're saying you know more than someone else. It's saying that you're going to put forward information someone else might not have available to them. That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by educate. I'm, I don't mean by, oh, I'm going to teach you something that you can't understand yourself. No, I just want to give you the information to better understand it. I want you to be better informed when you start talking and these people start talking and these pundits and these talking heads, when they start, and I get it, I get where they're going and why they're going there, but when they start going there and saying that Canelo's the greatest Mexican fighter of all time, I want you to understand something you might not be aware of, maybe, of the great, great, great depth, depth of history in the Mexican world in in Mexico of great fighters and and how deep that history is i i want you to understand how many great fighters are part of the mexican heritage of great warriors great fighters i i i want you to really truly understand that when you're talking about that now listen I get it that in today's day and age with social media and everything else, the attention that Canelo makes gets with, with the fan base, the great, great, great Mexican fan base with the, with the promotion he's had. He started when he was 16 years old. The big fights, the mega fights, uh, the, the money that he's earned, uh, the attention and the glory attached to some of these mega fights. I mean... That, that you could start to not be brainwashed, but just start to be overwhelmed with, with like, and forget that anyone else exists other than Canelo. That unless you're one of these guys that really know the history of the sport, and in this case attached to the Mexican heritage of the sport and, and history you know, of the sport, you might start to believe that Canelo right now is the greatest Mexican fighter that ever walked on the planet. And I'm saying again, I'm going to say it again. I hate to have to qualify this all the time and, and like I'm protecting myself, but I, I just want people to understand. I never protect myself anyway because you guys all come at me with the bows and arrows and slings and, and races <laughs> and rocks and everything. And that's okay. That's okay. I put myself out there because if you believe in something, you got to do that. If you, yeah, you have to do that. There's a risk. There's a risk. But please, I I like Canelo a lot. I like the way he conducts himself. I like his trainers. I like the way that he's 
improved in the way he's come along and developed and continues to develop and the way that he respects the sport where he's always ready, he's always in shape, he doesn't take anyone for granted. Listen, he's gotten these lollipops, these layups. Everyone gets them. I understand that too. But to right now say that he's the greatest Mexican fighter of all time. It's not right to to be able to these guys because some of these guys that are saying it, that's they don't know the others, so they're just saying it. See, again, I just explained why it's easy to say. And and it makes them look good because they're comfortable, they're comfortable, they know him and they don't know the others. So it it's they're around during his time. So it, it, it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel like, yeah, you know, I'm around when the greatest is around, and that makes what I'm saying more important. It makes it more relevant. Yeah, because, because if he's the greatest, then I'm around doing the greatest, and then what I'm talking about has more relevance. It has more meat to it. It has more sizzle. It has more meaning. No, it don't, because it's not accurate. And again, it's it's not. I I I, I Canelo's tremendous, tremendous. And when this is all said and done, maybe he will be the greatest. But he ain't yet, because so I wanted to. I brought a list. I put a list together. And it's very important, and that's why I hope to God we have million people listening, because I just want you to on your own. After you hear this list, I want you to just give it some thought to to have that information. See, that's the thing about boxing, Ken. And, and some of the other sports, like baseball, who's, that's been around, boxing's around longer than any sport. But baseball has been around the longest otherwise. And... People know the history of baseball because there's someone out there teaching it, telling it. There's books out there. There's magazines. There's media. It's it's more available. It's more available. I mean, more people still should know about the Satchel Pages and some of these guys. There's no doubt about it. And uh, some of the guys from way back other than just the huge names like Babe Ruth. But there's more of a chance to know about it than there is in boxing. It's not as available, the history. And so you can get stuck on just the recent guys. But I'm going to go over some of these guys that are part of the great Mexican history. And before I do, let's go over real quickly who Canelo has fought and beaten to get to this place. All right? He's been a pro since he's 16. And he's still young. He's only 30. And I give him great credit. And he's so he's been around almost 15 years as a pro. And he's got 58 fights. All right. He lost to the best fighter he's fought. I don't think we could argue that, right, Mayweather? And it wasn't competitive. Okay. Now, he won... And I know everyone loses. He won the light heavyweight title, which was great that he moved up. And that's another thing. I'm going to give him kudos for that, moving up in weight classes. I got it. I got it. I'm with you. 
He won a light heavyweight title over an older shop-worn Kovalev. Okay. Um, but nice job. Nice win. There was still something to, to deal with there. No doubt about it. And to overcome. He struggled, or maybe at, at least he had a tough fight with Danny Jacobs. Okay. But he won. He, he, he officially fought a draw and won versus Triple G. Although... I thought he lost both fights. And a lot of people thought the same thing. But, okay, okay. Um, he beat a smaller, and again, a shop won Miguel Cotto, a decision, okay? He struggled with Lara. People forget that. He struggled with Lara. A lot of people thought he lost that fight. Split decision, so it was <laughs> one of the judges thought he lost too. There it is, Ken. And that's how Paul Lara, slick guy. Um he beat a smaller, and again, an older Shane Mosley. He beat Austin Trout, who usually loses at that next, who has lost at that next level. All right, these are the best opponents he's fought. Nothing to be ashamed of. But when you compare to some of these other past Mexican champions, here we go, I'm going to go right down the list. Now listen, this is not an order of greatness. I, this is just a list. Um... Julio Cesar Chavez, three weight classes, junior lightweight, lightweight, junior welterweight, over 100 fights. He fought many special fighters in his prime. All right, number two, Ruben Olivares. I'm going to argue a lot of people that were talking the other night on TV. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm going to argue that some of them don't know some of these guys. That's all I'm going to say. That's all. Many consider him Mexico's greatest warrior and most entertaining Mexican fighter and that's quite a statement because there's been a lot of entertaining ones. Maybe the most entertaining Mexican fighter of all time. He had over 80 fights. I, uh, Rob's going to get the list up, so don't worry about it. You'll get it. Okay, number three. My favorite. My favorite. Doesn't have to be everyone's. The man was special and he was cut down, killed in a car accident at his prime, in his prime, when he was still world champion. Salvador Sanchez. So, so, so special. I mean, as I said, he died... Just he died so young as a champion in a car crash. He knocked out the great Azuma Nelson in his last fight. All right, here. This is where it gets a little. This is why I'm doing it right here, Ken. Right here, and I'm and you're with me, Ken. So you can travel this with me to understand at the end of this why I did it, why to to bear witness. You're my partner, but to bear witness to why where you yourself can sit in that chair and see if you feel a little differently when I'm done as, as being sort of a, a litmus test for what the fans would feel. Really, really. So here we go. Baby <clears throat> Arizmendi. He beat the great Henry Armstrong in three of his six fights. That alone marks his greatness. I know a lot of you don't know Henry Armstrong. He had 300 fights. He had 100, I don't know, 120, whatever it was. Uh, Rob would get it up. But 120 knockouts. Listen, this is a guy that was simultaneously defended. The, won the titles, then simultaneously defended them. You ready? You ready? Okay. We talk about all these different weight classes that the uh, guy won this, he won this, he won this, he won, he won his, he, the one all across the street. He won the one at the neighborhood, you know, uh, uh, candy store. He won the one on Lexington Avenue. No, I'm just saying. Uh, you win so many titles. This guy, during the golden era of boxing, when all the great fighters were out there and they were all fighting each other, you ready? 
This guy won the featherweight. No junior title now. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying what this guy did. He went, there were no junior titles. He went, so he won the featherweight, lightweight title, welterweight title. <laughs> oh, my God. And then he fought for the middleweight title, Ken, against Severino Garcia for the 15-round draw. He won. They robbed him. There's reasons he didn't make a deal with the fellas, whatever, whatever. But we don't have time to go into all that, but believe me, he won. All right, he would have had four full titles. He had three. Three full weight class titles. Three. Defended him simultaneously. This guy was a monster, all right? The guy was, there's a reason why his nickname was Homicide Hank. <laughs> you want to fight Homicide Hank? No. No. <laughs> no, don't do me any favors. No. Who else is available? All right. So now, number four, Carlos Zarate, great, great bantamweight champion and great, great puncher. All right. Number six, again, can you whip me, buddy? And, and I, yep. again, you're, you're my guy right now. Really. That's why I hope two million people are watching because you're my guy now that's standing in for the audience that's going to say at the end of this, yes or no, Teddy, you know what? You turned me. Or you, you made me think, or not, or not. But you're my guy for all those people. Number six, Vincente Saldivar, featherweight champion. Number seven, Manuel Ortiz. Number eight, Ricardo Lopez Jr., flyweight champion. Number nine, Raton Macias, bantamweight champ. And number 10, Baby Casanova. All right, a lot of people don't know those guys, okay? I, I'm going to say it again. The Mexican... The Mexican heritage, the Mexican history of great fighters is incredible. All right. So, I, as I said, I'm not saying that's the order. I'm just, I'm just putting out there what some people don't realize is out there. Okay? So, here. I didn't finish. Here's the finish. Here's the finish that I put together just to show how deep the history of great fighters are and how so many people today cannot properly rate where Canelo really stands because they're not really aware of these fighters. But wait, wait. I haven't even mentioned the great ones from the modern era. You ready? Juan Marquez, Eric Morales, Antonio Barrera. Ken, these guys were great. These guys fought great fighters. They fought everybody. Everybody. And they fought each other. And they were great and they fought each other. Most of them. So, this is what needs to be put out there. It's not a simple thing to evaluate the greatest Mexican fighter as some of these commentators want to just anoint Canelo without maybe knowing the true entire field that exists. So, uh, bear with me. I'm sorry. I can't. I mean, I go through, I have to, listen, I'm going to take the needles. I'm going to take the, 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 the everything that's coming the slings and the guns and the bullets and the, <laughs> and, and, and the arrows I'm, I'm gonna at least I can have a you can I can have a little bit of fun for the guys out there the pom-poms okay when when you guys out there can when they go oh can C A N E L Oh, Canelo. Uh, oh, uh, listen. 
When when you do that, when you do that with the pom poms, and you go whether it's because you're shilling or because you got nothing else to do, or because you got nothing else, like like Muhammad Ali said to the great George Foreman in in one of the late rounds in Zaire, that all you got, George. <laughs> that was a great one. That all you got, and George said, George is the greatest. He is, and George said. Yep, that's about it. <laughs> that, 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 that's about it. So, uh, that's all you got, the pom-poms and all that. Is that all you got, the pom-poms? Damn it. You got to have more. You got to have more. If you're going to say something and I'm going to watch, yeah, yeah. You better have more than just the pom-poms because Canelo is great. I'm not, dis- I'm not attacking that. I'm not disputing that. And, and maybe... I'll finish with this. Ken, he's going to fight. He's going to fight. Everyone in the pom-pom's going to come out again in a different color. I'm going to change the color up. The next one I have red and some gold. I'm going to order them. Have my daughter order those. And and they're going to come out when he goes and he he fights Billy Joe Saunders and he beats him. He'll beat him. He'll beat him. You know, and everyone says, oh, you know, and the same thing. Then... Um, he'll probably fight Khalid Plant. Good, good guys. I'm not knocking him. Um, he'll unify the super middleweights, right? Plant, Plant has the... Uh, IBF. Canelo's got WBC and WBA. Sanders got WBO. And like you said, Plant's got the IBF, right? So he'll, he'll yep. unify that. And, you know, and then the pom-poms will come out again. That's okay. Different color, though. Mix it up. And But I don't think either one really presents... I think... I think what it presents, Ken, is a chance to say, hey, obviously we he beat someone more legitimate. There was an upgrade. He's, the guy's got titles. The guy's got undefeated records. I think that it just gets them to, you know, it, it's like bringing a car out and polishing a car up, and then you could you could sell it for a little more. You know, you could, it might be just a slight upgrade of the car. Well, I'm not comparing them to Yildirim, don't get me wrong. Of course, anything would be an upgrade. These guys are real fighters. But, and I like them. But it's kind of like, it would kind of like you go in a back lot and you just bring a different car and you say, wait a minute, you know, uh, polish it up. You know, polish it up a little bit, you know. And, um, and, and put some armor on the tires. You know, and and then we could yeah, we could sell it for a few grand more, and so they're gonna sell this for for more. I get it, um, but for me, the talent level is between him, them, and Canelo is different. And like I said, Ken, they're decent, they're decent technical fighters, but it's not like they're exceptionally slick guys who could give him the real trouble like a Lara did, like a Mayweather, obviously. And look, people are going to say he's grown since then. All right, no problem. But they are, these guys are right in front of you where you can find them, especially to the body. For me, in a 168, the stiffest test would be Benavides. If he, if he really wants to, really, that would be the stiffest test because Benavides, he's the most dangerous. He's 23 and 0. He's the most dangerous, physically challenging of all of them. And if he wants, you know, so if he if he beats him in a 168, 
Then he really captured the 168 for me. Because, again, better Vitas. Those guys might be a little technically better. I'll, I'll give it to you. They might be. They might be. But better Vitas is bigger, stronger. He's more dangerous. But, Ken, if he wants to be considered, and I'll jump right on board, I won't even need pom-poms. I won't even need them. If he wants to be considered the greatest Mexican fighter of all time, of all time, let him go up to light heavyweights because he's already been there. He's already passed through. Let him go back and let him, let him be better be of and beevil. And you know what? No, really. I, I'm still going to say you could argue here and there, but I won't argue so hard. I, I will, And I'm not arguing against Canelo. I'm not. I'm arguing for these other guys to be remembered that we shouldn't skip over who's out there. That's what I'm arguing for, for you to quell your emotions. I understand it. We're emotional people. I get it that we're fans. The, the short of fans, it comes from fanatic. It comes, and that dog agrees with me. He agrees with me. It comes, <laughs> yeah, he does. He, 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 as soon as I said it, bump! Yep, yes. And, he, uh, and listen, this is real stuff we do here. Real people. Real, we're, we're, we're not doing any fake stuff. We got dogs. We got everything going on. So here, and, and they bark their approval. When we, you take fans, it's, like I said, it's from the term fanatic. So, you're allowed to be nuts. I get it. It's part of the fun. But if you're going to go and make that kind of statement on television, and it's going to spread more and more now as, we, as this train moves down the track, this Canelo train, right? Ken, as it moves down the track, it's going to take more and more momentum, more and more steam towards the greatest Mexican, because that's what they're going to sell. Because they're not selling the opponents so much. They're selling Canelo. So they're going to, they're going to bring that... All I'm saying is take a chill pill a little bit, just a tiny bit, a little bit. Calm down, you know, have a martini, whatever. Calm down for a moment. Bourbon, whatever it is. You you probably drink Louis the Fourteenth. That stuff is like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's like $10,000 a bottle. But that's, I'm not sure. So you calm down and and just give yourself a moment to appreciate who else is there when you make that statement. That's what I'm saying. and But if you go and beat be, better be of and beevil, I, I, I won't argue with anyone. I still might say that, you know, uh, Salvador Sanchez is my favorite. We always have the right to do that. Or Cesar Chavez or, or you know, uh, some of these guys I mentioned before. But I will have no argument. I will have no problem. If you want to say Canelo's the greatest, I I, I won't. I say, hey, you, you're allowed to. Say, it's it's sayable. I just made a new word, but it's sayable, it's sellable, it's sayable, it's it's believable. It's okay to say. Go ahead, Ken. I you 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 understand where I went today and why I had to go yeah, there. Yeah. No, listen, those guys had uh, had a lot of time to fill with Tim, with Canelo being in there with the lack of opposition that he had. So I get that they're trying to shill for their man and trying to stretch. There wasn't a lot of t to talk about in terms of the performance because it was a one-sided beatdown. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, 
Speaking of competitive fights, we only have uh, we only have to think about that Canelo fight for a little while because next week we're back in action with three incredible fights at the UFC 259 headline by none other than Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blakovich for the light heavyweight championship of the world. Uh, is he moving up to challenge for his second uh, world title in the UFC? I am so excited for this fight. There's um, there's two additional title fights in the build-up. The co-main is going to be uh, Amanda Nunes, another two div- two weight division champion against Megan Anderson from Australia, and Peter Jan Petra Jan versus Aljamain Sterling from Strong Island, New York. Uh, hard not to root for Aljamain Sterling. Great guy, training with Matt Serra and the crew over in Long Island. Um, I am so excited for this event. This is awesome. I mean, from top to bottom, all the fights are incredible. Um, talk to me about what you're looking for in the Israel Adesanya Jan Blakovich fight. I know you've had a chance to watch tape on both of them, and obviously we've had Izzy on the show before. Yeah, Ken, listen, beautiful job setting that up. Listen, I I'm with you. I I mean. It's something to be excited about. Adesanya, first of all, what am I excited about? Uh, it, it's It's got the possibility of being a, a war, a competitive fight. Yeah, he agrees with me again. But it, it's got the possibility of all that. Okay, number one. But I think we're watching the possibility. We're watching somebody different. Somebody very special that doesn't come along too often. That comes along once in a lifetime. Um Kind of like a Bruce Lee. I, I, if people say I'm being too much, go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Bring it, baby. <laughs> go ahead. I don't care. I, I know what my eyes tell me. I know what my <laughs> too many years of experience tell me in a fight business. I think out of Sanya, there's something different about this guy athletically, mentally. I believe he believes he has a destiny to to be special, to be great. Kind of like a Tiger Woods had a destiny with you know with his father to to be maybe the greatest golfer of all time. We hope to God, of course, that he heals up uh, after his accident. Um, you know, there uh, there's different people that have that feeling of destiny attached to them. I think he's one of them that does feel that, does believe that, does act like that. Um, he he's a guy that. You don't know what you're going to get when you're watching them. You don't know what's new and fantastic might happen right in front of your eyes, really. And he's a smaller guy moving up, and that makes it intriguing for me too because, again, we used to always think, oh, the bigger guy has the advantage. No, now we're starting to learn. The, no, the smaller guy, like we saw with Valdez, destroy Birchell. Maybe it's the smaller guy that has the advantage because he's smarter. You know, maybe he's more dimensional. Maybe he's better technically. Maybe he's faster. Eh, you ever think of those things? You know, so it's interesting to to think of this fight. Um, as I said, you you got and and in Blachowicz, you got an experienced guy who is so physically strong, bigger naturally guy. He's you know, and he's better on the mat on the floor. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's 38 years old, but here's the thing. I want to bring that out. He's 38 years old, but Ken, here's the thing I made to myself. I went over this. You know, I prepared for this stuff. I, I made a note to myself. I said, you know what that reminds me of? 
I'll make the argument for a 38 year old because a lot of people say the youth and the skill is going to be too. Maybe, maybe the youth will be served. Maybe the youth and skill and confidence and belief and everything I just touched on with Adesanya will be served. But here's the thing: don't count him short. He's on a four fight winning streak. We right, we understand that. Um, he's won eight of his last nine. We're talking about Blachusovitz. Blachovic. Blachovic. Um, but at 38, for me, he's like the great Jersey Joe Walcott or Ezra Charles and Archie Moore, the great boxers, who had some of their great wins, their greatest wins, in their mid and late 30s. So that's what I look at. That's what I look at. That some guys, that's... They're different genetically. They're just different. That... That's when they come into their prime. <coughs> and just like Jersey Joe and and the great Ezra Charles and the great Archie Moore, they were beating top fighters in their late 30s. So in some ways, I look at that. Uh, there's a precedent for it. Uh, I want to say that. I wanted to get that out there. Um, two things uh, I understand again. If you're looking at Adesanya, he's in there with a bigger, naturally stronger guy. But number one, they're not lifting weights in there, Ken. That's number one. It's not like they're going to pick, oh, I pick him up over the head, you know. Uh, they're not doing that. That's number one. And for my eyes, Adesanya, he might not have to bulk and be as physically thick or obviously big bone. Um, but. He's pretty damn strong. And number two, I touched on it earlier. He's faster and much more mobile. And he's not going to allow Blachowicz to set where he can use his strength to... Look, we're going to handicap this fight when it's over. But this is my setup for the fight. That he's not going to allow Blachowicz to set where he can use his strength to punch or get inside where he can take him to the mat and keep him there. Adesanya might not be as good as I said on the mat... As obviously he's not, as Blachowicz, but he doesn't have to be. He's very good at avoiding being taken there. That's pretty damn yeah. important. He's very good at that. Listen, Adesanya is smart. As I said, he's fast. Um, I believe he's going to kick out uh, the legs. Um, he's going to look to kick out the legs of Blachowicz uh, so he can't get set, you know, to be the strong, destructive guy that he is. I mean, it's one thing being a bigger, stronger guy, but if your legs aren't there and you can't be set, Dustin Poirier, our friend, oh my, a great human being, great champion, he pulled off that great upset with McGregor. What did he do? Yeah, McGregor's a great striker, a great counterpuncher, but you can't be that if your legs ain't there. You can't! And he took his legs out. So, for me... Adesanya showed the ability to do that when he fought another big, strong guy, Costa, in his last fight. He took his legs out, and Costa couldn't be the big, strong guy. So I'm looking, that's what I'm looking for going into this fight. Um, you can't make a mistake. I would say this on ESPN all the time, Ken, when I was calling the fights. It's the kind of fight where Adesanya, there's no margin for error. You can't make a mistake. This guy can bank. <laughs> punches, as I always say, punches are born, they're not made. This guy can punch. I mean, you know, like the old times would say, Kenny, he hit you on top of the head and he fracks your ankles. All right? 
You look at what he did to Dominic Reyes, who gave John Jones all he could handle in five rounds. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And Blakovich blasted him right out of the ring. I mean, annihilated No, him. I mean, look, like I said, he hit you on top of the head, he fractured your ankles. That's, that's tough. That's rough. <laughs> and, and look, for me, as I said earlier, Adesanya, he reminds me a little bit of the legendary, I know there's no, there's no Bruce Lee, but I'm just saying, he reminds me of, because he's unorthodox, he's different, he's very, very physically talented, with great instincts, mental toughness, belief. Um, this fight, I'm going to make some, I'm going to make some comparisons to fights in the history of boxing, what this might be like. It might be like Jim Braddock versus Max Bear. Max Bear back in the 30s, he was, oh my goodness, big, strong. He was the, uh, just a, he could punch with anybody with the right hand, destroying people. He actually, somebody died in the ring, unfortunately. And they, they didn't want to make the fight with Braddock. The commission, everyone said he might kill Braddock. Braddock was a smaller guy, like Adesanya. He was a smaller guy and, you know, he didn't have the power and all that stuff and, uh, and of course, he outboxed Bear. Uh, Frazier Alley, you know, we're not we're coming up on the anniversary of their first fight. We'll be doing something on that too. That's going to be next week, but we're coming up on that. And uh, it, it's you know, it, it reminds me, of course, Frazier, the the strong, destructive force, and Alley, the boxer, and uh, also Foreman and Alley. I talked about that when Costa. When he was getting ready to, when Adesanya was getting ready to fight Costa, I said it reminds me a little bit of Foreman Ali, where obviously, you know, Adesanya is going to represent Ali and and break not just not just outsmart, outbox, outspeed, whatever you want to call it, Foreman, but break him down mentally, break break, take away what he depends on his power and Blasovich, take away, he did it with Costa, take away his power, take away his legs, take away his hope. Take away his hope. And when you take a man's hope away, well, you got an empty vessel. I mean, you got a, you got a body, but there's no spirit inside it. He knows how to do that. He's like, he's like those moves. Can you get this for me, Rob? Well, can you put this up for me, Rob? One of those Kung Fu movies. Take take my glass off for this. One of those Kung Fu movies where the guy goes, yeah! <laughs> into the guy's chest and then he shows the beating heart. He takes the heart, right? <laughs> right? He takes the heart right out of the guy's, yeah! And then the heart's beating. I'm not talking about what Sylvester Stallone said. That was tough. That was a rough one. And, uh, you know, he's 80 years old and, and oh, man. He, you know, he did that. Show that too, Rob. And he did that in the last Stallone movie. Listen, I, I put my hands up. Ken, I'm guilty. I, <laughs> I, I went to the movie. <laughs> I went to it. I went to it. I watched it. But uh, this is different. It's a little different when these young kung fu guys like Bruce Lee do it. It's a, it's a little more believable. But um, that's what he does. He, he takes your will away. And, and it's like a dead man walking. It's like this... Because a man without his spirit, without his belief, is not a is not that man anymore. It's not that man anymore. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. There's no march in favor for error. None. 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 You can't make a mistake with this guy because he'll put the lights out. Real quick. Real quick. Uh and that's how I see the fight. 
I'm excited about it. I'm excited about watching it. You know who Adesanya reminds me of? I, you know, I, I mentioned about you know Bruce Lee and all that stuff in my mind, but I forget his first name. But he's maybe the greatest. UFC MMA fighter of all time striker uh, again along the lines of he did it different he walked to a beat of his own drum he he walked to his own beat and it was uh, Silva Anderson Silva there it is Anderson Silva Ken I saw some Anderson Silva that man was special oh yeah I mean John Jones all these guys they were all special don't get me wrong but my god oh my and listen he fought two too long and I feel sad about that because some of the young people won't even know those fights that's all they're going to know about him they're not going to know what he was when he was silver when he was Anderson silver what he was and how impossible he was to fight oh how great he was how special he was how he walked on air I mean this guy was different oh I just had to I had to Put that there. I had to. I think people that are special, people that are great, they should be, it should be yelled from the mountaintops when you have a chance to yell it. So I just, and people should know about it. They should Google a guy like him and look at what the hell I'm talking about if they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But listen, Adesanya still has a ways to go. I just put him in high, 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 yeah. But I think that he has a chance to get to that high place. That's how special I think he is, and he can be. Um, I think he reminds me also, I talked about Ali, you know, how it, Bruce Lee, all that stuff. He also, Adesanya also reminds me of a young Roy Jones, where some of the specialness of Silva, Ali, Jones, Adesanya, you know what it is, Ken? They, again, they walk to a beat of their own drum, but and that, that kind of tells you where I'm going. But they can do they don't do it conventional. They don't do it by the book. They do it for themselves what they do, what what God has given them the ability to do in a special way. And they do it wrong. They break all the rules. They pull back from punches. They drop their hands. They they, uh, they do all the things that are supposed to be wrong, and they are wrong for humans. For humans, they're wrong. But not for them. For mortals, yes. But for the gods, the, 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 the fighting gods that they become, it's not wrong for them because they make wrong right. Yeah, I said it. And, and I know it sounds like, but I know exactly what I'm saying. And that is special. It doesn't get more special than that. To be able to be so good, so gifted, so talented, your sense of anticipation and timing is so great and your confidence and belief that you can do things wrong and make them right. That's that's what these guys do. And um anyway, that's it. That's what I have for that. And uh I can't wait to come to you good people out there with my good man here and my friend here and be able to talk about what happened next week when these two guys get in the ring or get in the cage. The thing that I like about Izzy is he has that intangible uh, quality that like Conor McGregor, John Jones, Jorge Masvidal have. When they tell you they're going to beat the hell out of someone, they convince me. I'm like, he's definitely going to do it. He, This guy, 
He's got me convinced. And other guys, you know, can talk and posture, but he's just so believable. He has so much self-confidence that I think he's going to do you it. You just touch it. You be... just touch it because they believe it, Ken. Some people yes. saying things don't believe it. They say it right. because they feel they have to say it because it's going to get them money. It's going to. It's expected of them to say it. The the promoter wants them to say it to sell the all that stuff. But those guys, Ali being the first of them, they believed yep. it when they said it. They believed it. I think Izzy's also going to be well served with his professional kickboxing background, and it's going to help him avoid getting into getting caught standing in the pocket with um, Jan because he doesn't want to get hit on the end of those punches. Nevertheless, awesome card coming up. We'll have tons of uh, we'll have tons of content to discuss, and who knows? Hopefully, we'll get Izzy back on to talk about his performance after the fight. Um, Hey, before I let you go, too, I just wanted to point out for the guys at MyBookie, at MyBookie.ag, use the promo code ATLAS for 50% credit on your first deposit. The line on that Israel Adesanya fight is uh, Izzy's minus 250, Jan Blakovic at plus 195, over under two and a half rounds with the um, minus 140 that it goes over two and a half. Given the odds, would you lay 250 to take Izzy? Yes. I believe in him. I just finished saying what I said too. about him. I just, I could be wrong. Obviously, it's gambling. <laughs> it's called gambling, baby. Um, but listen, I believe in him. I believe the guy's special. And special guys yeah. rise to these special moments. You know, and they... they uh, I'm with you. They do what they got. I would be more intrigued if I'm used, you know, if I'm worried about the numbers more, you know, about laying the, the wood. I'd be more looking at that under over i'd be looking at that a little bit more that's that could be interesting ken and and maybe maybe tilt a little towards the over because this guy yeah i know he's 38 and you talk about youth being served but he's experienced he's pretty i talked about the ability of adesanya to kick your legs out guess what blasovich is pretty damn good with his feet kicking guys legs out you know, so you yeah. can't catch a faster guy. You know, it's kind of like in my sport, in boxing, where you're going to fight a fast guy, you go to the body. Take a, take some air out of the tires so you can start to slow him down with the legs. Well, in, in this great sport of the of MMA, what they do is they, they can kick out. And st what replaces the body, it's still the body. Look at the great Max Holloway. Oh, my goodness, what he did putting water in the basement. You know, if you guys haven't seen that interview, go go look at it. We had him on last week. Go look at it. This is a special man, an honest man. Oh, and it's a good, he's got a good message for kids out there, a, a message that I think all kids should hear, almost should be mandated. They they should hear. But he had a great fight plan with that tough cater in front of him, going to the body, putting water in the basement, and towards the stretch run, Cater didn't have as much left in their fuel tank because of the body work. It worked. It worked. He knew what to do. He went to the body. He did it like the fighters do it. But Adesanya and Blasovich. The, and a lot of the other MMA fighters, the way that they put water in the basement and take the legs away is they kick the legs out. You know, like, like again, our buddy Max, uh, our buddy Poirier did, Dustin did, he, kicking the legs out of, of McGregor. So I think that that's going to be in the plan for both of them. We talked about Adesanya, but we didn't mention, and I am now, about we talked about the bulk, the physical strength, 
the punching ability of Blazovich, but he's pretty damn good on his legs kicking. Pretty damn good. So here he is. That's Remember, he's got a say in this too. He says, I got to fight a fast guy, a guy who could be like the wind in there, really tough to corral. What am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to go to his body because I won't even get close enough to get to his body. I'll kick his legs out. If I could kick out his legs, I'll take away some of his mobility, some of his ability to be a ghost and do all these great things Teddy's talking about in a ring. So he'll be looking to do that. And while he's looking to do that, well, that prolongs the fight. That prolongs the yep. fight a little bit. And I could maybe see slanting a little towards the over. Because it also suggests, when you're saying that Blasovich is going to do that, it's, it talks about what I think also Adesanya is great at, the cerebral. He's smart. Yes. And I think Blasovich, what it suggests there is he ain't just going to walk in. He's not stupid. He ain't just going to walk in there like the bigger, stronger guy and get blasted out, you know, in two rounds, one and a half rounds, whatever the Yandova is. He's going he's gonna to be more thoughtful than that. He's going to realize that he's got to think this through a little bit, that he's got to do other things if he's going to give himself a real legitimate chance to win and be in this fight. So I just talked myself into the over. Put something on the over. <laughs> you got it. And uh, just very quickly, Amanda Nunes, uh, just to show you what a huge favorite she is, she's minus 1,100 plus 755 wow. on Megan Anderson. However, in the um, in the other title fight, uh, Petra Jan and Aljamain Sterling are both minus 115, dead even there. So good luck to uh, Aljo Sterling. Love to see the Long Island guys get a win here, get a title. He's been around for a long time, super tough guy. But head over to MyBookie to check out all the betting action. MyBookie.ag, use the promo code ATLAS for 50% credit on your first deposit. I think that's all we've got for today, Teddy. You got anything else before we go? The Ring Magazine thing. Oh, quickly. Yeah, no, I wanted to talk to you about something. You're right. Sorry. No, it's um, Congratulations to Oscar Valdez. He not only won the WBC um, Junior Lightweight title, but he broke into the top 10 of the Ring Magazine rankings. He wasn't there last week, wasn't there the month before, but now congratulations. Miguel Burchelt, who was ranked number one and held the WBC title, um, Valdez put a beating on him and uh, jumped up to number two. Uh, Tank Davis was moved up to number one in... Um, without fighting but nevertheless congratulations to oscar valdez it's nice to see him break into the top 10 only took him a wbc title to get there but he's there he's arrived yeah of course listen for the people out there that are maybe they drank too much last night um or something they they don't understand he's doing it tongue-in-cheek and he's being facetious about it but he's being very honest about it uh very to the point about it uh you look yourself can uh rob's gonna put it up there um so you can see it uh, in the March, uh, February or March ratings of Ring Magazine. Uh, he's Oscar Valdez is not in any of those weight whether it's featherweight. He was featherweight champ, undefeated, moving into the Birchfeld Birchfeld fight. Um, he he didn't uh, he wasn't rated uh, whether it was junior whether it was featherweight, junior lightweight, whatever. Uh, listen, listen. I know you could always say, oh, well, it's because of this, it's because of that. Uh, uh, you know, the 
because he was moving up in weight. Whatever. You make up something, you say, well, the guy was inactive. Oh, he wasn't inactive, so you can't say that. Sometimes you can. You remove the guy from the ratings. So no problem. Um, you know, he refused to fight. So whatever. You, uh, you could come up with, you know, different things. Uh, he moved from one weight to another, so he's not rated in that cl weight class. Okay, well then why is he not rated in the weight class that he was a world champ? You know, oh, he's, because it's during the interim. You know, I'm learning, I'm learning, Ken. I'm trying, I'm trying my best to understand all this, this stuff out there with these organizations, magazines, writers, uh, uh, whatever, and boxing. That I'm trying my best. God knows. Ken, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to understand this stuff and, and try to make, uh, make, uh, make a way of, of trying to figure out where their minds are and give people the benefit of the doubt. You know. But at the end of the day, say as you will, with all those things, why the frick is his name not in Ring Magazine <laughs> rated when he's an undefeated world champion about to go into a huge fight? He wins the fight. Now, of course, you know, he, he's going to be out there. But, I mean, the, it was like these... It, it reminds me of, like, the milk cartons. Remember back in the day when, when a kid was missing, they put him on a milk carton? <laughs> like, like Valdez should have been put on a Ring Magazine milk carton. You know, like, <laughs> like, where is he? <laughs> Has anybody seen him? Has anyone seen him? Has anyone seen Oscar Valdez? No. Well, have you? Well, last uh, a week ago, I I had dinner with him. You saw him? Well, how, uh, did you see him after that? Uh, no, I I haven't seen him. I haven't talked to him since then. Has yeah, I saw him. He was wearing a big green belt. <laughs> <laughs> the is. other thing I would be curious to know is like the um. I mean, I guess you could argue until you're blue in the face which guy is better until they fight. But how do you have Tank Davis ranked ahead of this guy who just beat the number one guy? He's undefeated. He's got the title. He looked unbelievable. I mean, Tank Davis, no offense, but I mean, he hasn't beaten someone like Burchelt. I mean, listen, these people, like, guess, there's too much politics in this world, and there's too much politics in boxing. And listen, I'm not even getting to specifics right now. I'm not, because I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting that fight. And when I have to fight it again, I'll fight it again. Because that's what we do, right? When we get called to the ring, we fight. Yeah. But right now, I'm not going into particulars and specifics. And all I'm saying is you had a freaking fine fighter who was a featherweight champ of the world, who was undefeated, <laughs> and, and you can't find him. Yeah, they got him on a milk carton. So anyway, he got off the milk carton. They found him. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Well, congratulations to Oscar for breaking in. Number two. Yeah, I, Ken, that's... Here, hold on, Ken. <laughs> Just at least one. <laughs> Teddy, that was good. That was fun. Looking forward to this UFC fight. Looking forward to your tweets. I think this is going to be a really entertaining fight. So, um... Yeah, thanks for being with us, guys. Appreciate all the support, and um, look for the uh, UFC action next week. Take care.